0: This podcast has been brought to you by Shotlister, the only professional shotlisting and scheduling app. Go to www.shotlister.com to learn more.
1: This is Oakley Anderson-Moore with No Film School. I am sitting here with a group of very talented individuals who have a film at South by Southwest called Relaxer. I'm so excited to be sitting here with you guys, some of which I've been following your careers for quite a long time. So do us a favor and just go around in a circle. And for listeners at home, introduce yourself and tell us what your capacity was on this film.
2: Um, My name is Joel Petrikas. I'm the writer and director.
3: And I'm Adam J. Minnick, who's was the director of photography on Relaxer.
2: Uh,
4: Jared Fogle, Subway. Oh boy! And, Here you uh, go. <laughs> I'm just thankful that Joel got me out and get me in front of the camera again. <laughs>
2: Joshua Burge, actor in the role of Abby. Jared Fogle will be played by Andre Highland today. That's yeah, aka Andre Highland. Also, yeah.
1: Fantastic. That won't confuse people at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> the first thing I'd love to ask you about is uh, Joel. I first met you a few years ago at South by. You were here with your film Buzzard, and there's a lot of people in this here in this room today with us who worked with you on that project. And you call your crew Sob Noise. So can you give us just a little background on who you are and how did you meet the people that formed this sort of posse of of, of filmmaking group?
2: Yeah, uh, group is close. I like to call it a filmmaking band.
1: A band, okay. Because
2: it's like, yeah, we're all like friends, and we all have our roles, and we hang out. And it's not like, it's not like a union thing where we, you know, just we just meet up to make movies and then we're done. So, um, <laughs> Adam is has been the director of photography for the last three. Adam and I met in high school at a battle of the bands. Actually, to make it, uh, we were both in bands. Oh, really? Uh, neither of us won that. Competition. Um, Uh, Was it like an audience
1: vote? I think so. so.
2: Um, Um, Adam was like in a real like you guys covered covered helmet helmet and stuff, stuff, right? right. Yeah. Yeah, Andre bought a helmet helmet T-shirt at Media Play. That's right. Yeah. Oh. Oh. (laughs) And uh, I was in a like kind of goofy garage band. Uh, So when we we made Ape and I kind of was doing all of that. I ran the camera and the sound and directed it and everything and for um the next movie buzzard I realized I didn't want to do that anymore and there was only I thought one person that I would trust behind the camera and that was my best friend Adam who was a photography major and like understood composition and light better than I did he was like the only person that I really thought understood what we were trying to do that could that could bring his vision to the to the duties and he, we had the same movies in common that we liked and, and we knew, we knew it was going to be, you know, we we're making the same kind of thing. We had the same goals, whatever. Um, and, You're the sweetest buddy. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and, and so Adams, Adams, you know, now the sob DP, that's just kind of how it is. It's, it's like, you know, this is a band. We don't replace people for other, any reasons really. It's just the thing. And, and uh, Joshua, um, has been in Coyote Ape, Buzzard, and now Relaxer. And Joshua is a guy that we met in college in Michigan. And he is just, uh, he was a coffee shop uh, folk artist. I'm sure you're going to oh, be able to elaborate on that later. That was a Bob Dylan imitator. Okay, you said it first. And then um, he he was under the name Chance Jones, and his band, Chance, he formed an actual full band later on called Chance Jones that, would play around Grand Rapids, really popular, and I was a fan of that band. And he wasn't a, an actor per se back then, but I just would see him, he was the front man, and he was very charismatic, and he was moving around and grooving, and I was just like, if I can get a little bit of that energy into you know a performance in front of a camera, then we could have something. So slowly over the last 20 years, And kind of putting together the band and adding members and getting a little bit bigger and everybody kind of has their their roles in the band and and that's kind of just how i want to make movies is keep putting it together now andre may be a a new member he was like the uh What's the dude, the bass player Metallica for, that they're trying to... Oh, Rob after Jason
4: uh, Neustadt? Trujillo? Trujillo? The, the, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. might yeah, <laughs> yeah. be
2: the, the, be the Trujillo, Trujillo of sob Noise, the, the new guy. That, uh, so another guy, so Andre um, had a film that actually played before, a short film that played before Buzzard at AFI Fest called Funnel, and just watched, and I was like, yeah, I know that guy. I know that world that he's making this is kind of like we we instantly realized we both had like kind of the same taste and things and same sense of humor and so it was like someday i'm gonna get that guy in a movie and it's gonna be magic and i'm gonna combine his crazy sensibilities with josh's sensibilities and there's gonna be some some magic and so ta-da that's how relaxer kind of has come to be today that yeah, was nice.
4: We sent each other links of our videos and uh, <laughs> yeah we were like we, we just had a lot had in a
2: common as like yeah. football yeah, character guys, guys and things, like that. things yeah. like that, yeah, so like everybody like, you everybody know everybody has, really their has their own specific actual role where Adam is like very, very like if plan. I need if like if there's a technical issues or, or or things like you know that's Adam's job he's like kind of the scientist, and Josh is like the the lead singer, the face of this, and then you know a guy like Andre is somebody to bring extra flavor. Uh, so he's a Flavor Flav slash Robert <laughs> of sob Noise right now. Oh,
1: so yeah. which so of you is the guy, guy in the band becomes who becomes so overcome with jealousy, with jealousy that he later stabs the other band, band member or or and it all, all ends in infamy? Um,
2: it's probably our sound guy Sasha. <laughs> 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 I will say though, like when I went to go
4: shoot it and I was just there for like two days, you could tell like it's, you could tell everybody was like buddies and just made it felt like you're making stuff with people, even you know? though. <laughs> You know, that is what it is. It just, it felt, it didn't feel like, oh, I'm coming. Well, it, it didn't feel like, I was, it didn't feel like first day of school. Like I'm working a job and not that that's bad, but it's just, it felt like, oh, these people are chilling, work together. And it's not like a, I don't mean this in a bad way. It didn't feel like a professional atmosphere. It felt like just like a good, like creative people making something that everybody was excited to make, which I think is better. Yeah.
2: And that's really the goal of what sob noise was from day one is I'd been on so many film sets where I was like, this feels like construction work. And people barking orders. And I was like, it had turned me off from making movies for a long time because I just kind of thought that's how movies were made. And then, you know, so that's why I kind of started off really low, like with Ape, it was in Coyote, it was just me and Josh. And I was like, I'm afraid to bring in ACs and boom ops and, you know, all this stuff. And then eventually, you know, learned, you, know, you meet the right people and you bring them on and you realize that it doesn't have to be like, work and painful and stressful and like a construction set it can just be yeah dudes making a movie yeah and it was it was chill but there wasn't any lack of hard work also yeah and yeah. that's like we don't need like that like you realize right away you don't need what the job of an assistant director is it's like crack a whip and keep everybody it's like we don't need that we don't like we're all there because we want to be there and make a movie we don't need somebody to be like
3: lunch is over you got
2: overtime it's like Although we do have someone like that, but he <laughs> he understands like what we're doing and is and uh, and so yeah, we're just there to make a movie together, and it's it's not just like some job
3: that we're doing. There's no other set like it, and a lot of people want to want to actually work with us because they either have heard tangentially or some of them have stepped on set for a couple of days, and we uh, certainly it doesn't feel like any other set I'm on, and uh, it's it's like the most pleasurable. And we're efficient too. It's the crazy thing. We made it we make all of our days and uh go home early and we make something that we're all proud of.
1: Having I mean, I remember talking to you about Buzzard and there was a gorilla, certain aspects to it, you would just put a mic on Joshua and get on a bus if they didn't give you a permit and stuff like that. So here you are and this is and relaxer is your fourth feature. Um sob noise is fourth feature. So have you know you said we still do have people filling these different c- capacities what sort of have you grown have things changed the more you've done it like what did you what was sort of the philosophy around the set on relaxer if you could paint us a picture
2: well um just to bring it around full circle from that first interview which was mildly controversial on the no film school site because i was oh, so
1: many angry comments yeah because
2: i was really kind of voicing my opinion against things like jibs and cranes and all these unnecessary things you need. Um, Relaxer is the first film, sob noise film that has a jib move in it. So oh my. You an- sell out, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all those angry commenters will make me eat my words. Yeah. Um, so this was, you know, like every movie is not just like, because the whole thing was like, just because you have it doesn't mean you should use it. And yeah. so each movie is different. And, you know, if, as long as it's telling the story helps tell the story, that's what it's all about. So with The Relaxer, this was actually like, um, Adam can talk more about it, but the most controlled camera, I would say, and, you know, you can elaborate on that, Adam, how we, that came about
3: yeah i mean it, we, it was essentially we you know our production designer uh, mike saunders who's also a producer in the film his uh his family where actually we shot buzzard uh, the, bas- the basement scenes in buzzard the same house is where we shot uh, relaxer uh, in the garage and we built uh they they we had joel and and a couple other guys and and mike saunders built this apartment four walls and window and everything all the you know dressings and everything in this what was essentially a black box so we had complete control over lighting um all the light all the light is fabricated um the day the daylight the fireworks the um the outdoor night um sodium vapor lighting and you know i mean it, it was great we didn't even have a roof uh, it was a, a silk for diffusion over top of the ceiling I'd rather uh and uh so yeah it was it was completely controlled but as far as the camera yeah yeah yeah, we had we had like dana dolly i mean it's a real small space completely on sticks uh with slow controlled movement no handheld and very specific rules because
2: we wanted to make it feel like this is the character abby that josh plays is like literally stuck in this room and so if the camera is stationary we feel stuck as a handheld kind of adds this unnecessary kinetic energy almost too free that we didn't want so um each like i don't want to be stuck to a style as long as it just like helps the
5: story
1: yeah and i guess i should qualify for people listening so what is the premise of relaxer so if you're listening and you're wondering why we're in this room it's because the premise of this film of this story is it's sort of on the eve of the y2k potential apocalypse a character named abby takes a challenge to not move in any fashion from the couch until he beats level 256 on pac-man which is kind of mind-blowing because you are in this one room for the entire film i mean there's films where you're in one room but normally those films i mean you're kind of bored after a while there's like a lot of conversation or something and i really liked like relaxer you never really you feel like you're in the room but it's like a frustrating feeling that adds the whole way. I'd love to hear, you know, kind of what you were saying about the strategy to work within that space. It's almost like there's, it's almost like one shot. There's other shots, but you sometimes feel like it's almost an entire like single shot. In a way, the feeling, I mean, there's not. I'd love to hear like about what the challenges were of that and also from the acting perspective.
2: Yeah, we can start with Josh about that because, I mean, when we tell the people about this movie, it's
5: essentially should have been called The Room. yeah it was taken but my hero already took that title yeah i was in one place the entire time shooting the film uh from as when i was acting so uh
1: on the couch on the couch
5: on the couch in the scene so um it wasn't hard for me to feel limited and constrained (laughs) you know um there were pros to it i didn't have to worry about very much blocking That was, you know, there were still movements that needed to be made with the camera or whatever, but, you know, it was very stationary um, in in that regard. Um, Another challenge, I think, was just the camera movements were so specific and well thought out. And it's easy to take that for granted if you are in just one specific zone to know, like, even where to move your hands, what point to move your hands or use an object or this and that, because you feel like, why wouldn't this all be in one shot? Because I'm just sitting right here, you know, like, but the camera is, is so beautiful in the way that it it flows and tells the story, you know, that um, I guess as an actor, like just knowing where your frame was, it was, was the most crucial part of that, you know.
1: What was your rehearsal process like with Joel and how much of what you did... Um, Was there an improvisational aspect? I'm curious. I guess that's a acting and scripting question.
5: Yeah, well, um, I mean, the the script, we workshopped it a little bit, like as a group, as a sob noise group. And then um, right before we started shooting, Joel came over, and we kind of rehearsed the scenes together, and Joel played the different characters. And we kind of hashed out the script and how it would work and minor rewrites. But we came up with some cool additions that way, and then... um, just kind of took it from there i mean we didn't you know one we didn't get to rehearse that much because when you're in the room until we're on that set like there wasn't much to rehearse like i said you know i'm on the couch the whole time so i don't know is that the way you kind of i mean that's basically how we make all these movies is i'll write them and i'm very particular
2: about my script but then josh and i like you said i'll just go in and play every other character and he plays the lead character and we just run it through like four or five times and i film it and then so i can Play it back later. I don't have to worry about it. And then just kind of watch that footage later and be like, oh, yeah, that was a really good little Mm -hmm. moment there. This was good. That line doesn't work. So that's when it really gets written, is when Josh and I just kind of hash it out. We spend like one whole day on one scene and we just like blast through that over and over and over until it became something different. But then you bring a dude, this is like Josh can like, I'll rewrite that script and give it to Josh, and Josh can just like recite it line for line. But then the experiment comes when you bring a guy like Andre, who's an improv character based actor when you like have a like hard like script and idea that's been like workshopped and rehearsed and then you bring this guy in that's where things like start to become like like fun as a director because it's not predictable anymore it's like (laughs)
4: like yes yeah it's fun to do that and it's also i'm the opposite i'm like bad at memorization so (laughs) i think one of the reasons i'm good at improvising is because i'm just bad at memorization i mean i can do it but yeah but it was also cool that like yeah joe let me be more free in it i mean he's obviously curating it but like yeah it was it was uh very fulfilling and fun yeah it's also
2: such a tight script that you know yeah but it's weird because you know most of what you see in Andre's scenes he wrote that dialogue just at the on the moment, and so my job as the edit i also edit these is to like take what he gave me and make a new scene out of it and have it be completely different. So what I wrote looking back was just completely lame compared to like what Andre brought in <laughs> like like his scenes I could never have written that, and that's why I wanted Andre because like I have an idea of what I think is funny and what'll work. But then he comes in and it's like, that's what I was trying to do the whole time, but I just can't. You like you, you can't write that kind of stuff. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you just you like you can't like you're just coming out of his head at the moment. When well, so. we watched it last
4: night, I totally forgot about the pinching capabilities. Line. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the other thing is
2: like I would ask him like, okay, dude, can you do that take again? And and he'd be like, I don't remember that line that I just said. What are you talking about? It's like okay, don't worry about it. We got it already.
3: <laughs> it's a great moment too. And he, uh, if you remember, he was I think it was the final thing we shot with him. He was like leaving the door. Uh, gives the middle finger and then did something and and Joel says and that ladies and gentlemen is why you hire Andre Hyman so
5: great so great
0: this episode is brought to you by Shotlister the only professional shot listing and scheduling app paper shot lists suck when something inevitably goes wrong on set you're left to scribble all over your perfect plan guessing if you'll be able to make your day but with Shotlister you can schedule your film on a shot by shot and minute by minute basis Then when things change on set, you can simply update the shooting schedule on the app and Shotlister automatically does the math for you so you know exactly how you're doing. And its Crew Sync feature means you can keep the whole crew up to date. Shotlister is designed by filmmakers for filmmakers and is available on macOS, iOS, and Android. Check it out at Shotlister.com. As a special bonus for listening to the No Film School podcast, Shotlister is giving away 50 free downloads every month. Just email NoFilmSchool at ShotLister.com for your free copy.
1: Yeah, as the DP, um, Adam, how rigid are your discussions with Joel? Do you come in with specific shot lists? I know we touched on this a little bit, but just hearing about the improv, and wonder, I'm just wondering like what, how rigid is what you want to come in with and what you do on set?
3: i would say the rigid part is the rules that we set for each other or for the film for each production and i I also say that i don't think any of joel patrick's movies look alike um and i think that's kind of great so each story and the way we like to tell it and the visual language of the film is defined by that moment and that's that particular story um Joel was really clear in the beginning. Uh, he had a great idea, which is the camera is always going to be at um, 37 and a half inches, which is Josh's eye level for, at sitting height. Uh, we kept, we, so we had, we worked with more limitations on this film than any other film, I think, but I think it also opened up this amazing freedom. Um, we had a, about 11 foot by, uh, eight foot area that, that the camera could be. And one of the rules was the eye level of the camera, the camera's going to be as eye level. Another was the camera will never be behind him. Um, so while Josh is seated, we stay seated at that level. And even when all these people come in and out, we can tilt up and, you know, look around and stuff, but we're not moving the camera, um, vertically, vertically at all. <clears throat> um, but the biggest challenge I have uh, my my crew members I'm going to give them a shout out in a second they're all from different parts of the country uh, Calvin is a first AC Calvin Sneed out of LA and Brandon Bowman out of Seattle and um, my gaffer is Eric Zylenga out of Portland and Joel and I had uh, a, a trip to Chicago planned to pick these guys up uh, they were flying into Chicago and we were planning on shot listing and we I don't know if you remember this but we started it <laughs> and we very quickly just said you know what we're just going to do this on the day he said that and he the trust we have for each other and the understanding i know what we wanted to do and we we kind of were starting to understand the space it was still being built it was like a week before production and uh i don't know man the, the limitations were crazy the camera was very controlled movement and you, you touched on it earlier um oakley that uh <clears throat> that to keep something not boring that's in one room uh i, I feel like we definitely exercised every corner that we could put that camera in, uh, that we allowed ourselves, and in some in some amazing way, uh, we made what I consider kind of the greatest accomplishment so far in my career uh, with with <laughs> with, uh, with imagery. And uh, we, I think that weirdly, our, our little sob noise band was firing on all cylinders. The performances are unbelievable joel was on fire like his writing is top like it's the best writing you've done and i'm so proud of our camera crew and i think our lighting's amazing in it and i just feel like somehow we came out of this with something that uh we kind of hoped for and i think it's better than what we hoped for
2: so yeah shot lists for me sometimes don't make a lot of sense because it's just like day of like you just gotta go with your gut and trust your instincts so mapping it all out you talk about it and talk about it and talk about it but day of is always how we set the shots
3: another thing worth worth noting joel likes to give he's a very long leash uh he trusts he, he trusts me and i think that's really great and then, then this one we really we riffed a lot i mean there was like just there was like 20 pages in the beginning and with dave Des malchin who we haven't mentioned yet he's an amazing actor uh plays plays cam abby's brother and uh We were just, we were kind of just, it was like a jam session. Like, we had the camera in the spot we knew we wanted, and we started, we used a really long um, zoom lens the entire time, Uh, and we, very slow controlled zooms to you know kind of create these frames and 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 frame in the characters. and the blocking was great. Josh was in one spot. this other guy's all around. I mean, that's a great example of we kind of just found that on the day,
2: yeah, and david, David's a guy, an actor we met actually at South by Southwest during Buzzard. he he was there starring and written a movie called Animals. And I'd seen him, like, Six years earlier in Dark Knight as one of Joker's henchmen. And I was just like, that dude, I like that dude's face. Like, I want to someday talk to that dude. And so he was at South by and I came up to him. I was like, hey, man, um, you don't know me, but we should make a movie together someday. And he's like, oh, you made Buzzard. I love that movie. Let's make a movie together someday. So it's like beautiful. So like Relaxer is like the ultimate, just the dream team has assembled.
1: One thing I have to ask is the setting of Y2K, how did that start out as an idea and what were some of the challenges in trying to set the film in that time period, if there were any, I don't know, just that's kind of an interesting thing and I was like, Y2K, oh yeah, I remember that, I literally hadn't thought about Y2K in quite a while because for some reason... It just like disappeared out yeah, of the Because there's awareness. no
2: movies about Y2K. That's why you haven't thought about it in a long time. <laughs>
1: Until now.
2: So re- 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 reigniting that. And like the apartment that he's in is based, is, is uh, blueprinted out. We, we designed the set around the apartment that Adam and I lived in in 1999, playing Nintendo 64 all nice. day. <laughs> so this was like just me getting all nostalgic and sentimental about the good old days of Y2K paranoia. Um, and yeah there's just not any movies about it we have all these like apocalypse movies but it's like dude the original apocalypse yeah. The original, the one that came 19 years ago, <laughs> yeah, Apocalypse Y2K, <laughs> needs to be on screen a little bit more. And it's hilarious. Like, <laughs> it's hilarious. hilarious. There is
4: a Catherine Bigelow movie called Strange Days, though. It does take place. Oh, yeah. yeah. Y2K. Yeah. Is it in Y2K?
0: That
1: but I mean, I didn't realize I, you know,
4: that, really, I I, if I watch her movies, I'm watching Point Break. So Absolutely. I wouldn't worry about the Strange Days situation. <laughs> <I'll get> on, <laughs> I can get on Near Dark, too. Yeah. I can get on Near Dark. And Strange Days. Takes place in multiple rooms, so is it it really (laughs) building? Is it really about
0: Y two K? It takes place.
4: It climaxes on New Year's Eve. It's about a guy in the future. Like people have like whatever. It's like people do watch snuff films through VR, and they sell it like a drug. And that's kind of like the sort of main course. course. Ever since, yeah, Yeah. it's really fun, right? We have to go watch it again. I don't think it
1: counts though in this no, it doesn't count
4: but it ends in it. Totally. Too self-serious. But it's New Year's Eve, same, that, you know, Prince. Yeah. It's like, it's like you know,
2: you're good. <laughs> What's that movie with Christina Ricci where it all builds to New Year's Eve? Oh, you know, that's, that takes place in the 80s. Never mind. Well, it's also the hit romantic uh,
4: multiple-piece movie called New Year's Eve. Is that the one? Is oh, that yeah. Chris, Chris, Christina Ricci yeah, in that one? I don't know. They oh, made okay. Valentine's Day. It's not yeah, Y2K, though. Yeah. It's just New Year's yeah. Eve in general. going to do Easter <laughs> <next>. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait for the Easter one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Is actors, was, were there any particular things you had to do to try to be true to the 1999 time period or does that enter into the equation like what is your process about that kind of thing
4: I I did try to keep my references pre-1999 when I was riffing (laughs) and what have you yeah so that, that was where I kept it in my head
5: yeah that, that would have been difficult for me. To, to, yeah, so I didn't have to, I, I'm not an improv master but uh, at all, but if I were, that would have been the hardest part, I think, is the, getting all the references correct, which he did. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you can't just, yeah, like, really... if you're improv,
2: you can't be like, oh, man, I'll just call him on my cell phone. Like, yeah. oh, cut. Yeah, right. <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: That's you true. have a cell phone?
4: <laughs> I did get like my first color? cell phone in 99, though. Braggart. I, I was embarrassed by it. Like I went to California that summer, my parents got me one. Like use this, and so you don't have to do one eight hundred quacks or whatever. And I was just super embarrassed. to mean, it was one of those old Nokia
2: ones, and I then, got it. I got mine in two thousand. Yeah, Pull out the little antenna. Yeah. Oh, yeah, play snakes. Play snakes on that. I think.
4: Yeah. yeah, snake yeah. was great. Yeah. I wish that snake. was on
2: my Samsung. Snake. Yeah. yeah. They
1: didn't have the color flips yet. No, that no. This is like like later. kind of
4: a yeah. pea r- yeah.
0: yellow and yeah. snake is still gray. my
4: favorite cell phone game. I don't really play cell phone games. That was it. <laughs> they got rid of that. I was done.
1: This isn't really related to filmmaking, but the level two fifty six Pac Man is that for real? Is that a real level? i
2: that level two fifty
4: six
1: yes. is for real. It okay. go
2: it glitches out and you can't get past it. And in nineteen ninety nine, Pac Man champion Mitchell Billy Mitchell. <laughs> Mitchell. <laughs> made a movie about him. Um, and the Pac Man champion Billy Mitchell did offer a hundred thousand dollars to anybody who could beat his world record in Pac Man. So. I knew about that contest, but I didn't know what year he offered that out. And so the script had already been taking place in 1999. And when I read that he, that contest was 1999, it was just like,
0: Whoa. Wow. Yeah.
3: and it was really unattainable too. Right. I mean, cause he had, yeah, a perfect, so you can't totally get past score, it. So it
2: was like a publicity stunt. Like he knew he like, didn't believe anybody who said they could get past level 256. So he's like, yeah, okay, try it dude. And if you do, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars and no one ever did I guess so but there were and there really was in the movie it talks about in like 1982 this kid named Jeffrey Yee supposedly said he did it and he got like a crazy score and it was such a big deal that Ronald Reagan let wrote him a letter saying congratulations young man and Billy Mitchell's like fuck that little kid man he's a liar (laughs) I'm the true champion so Billy Mitchell's a weird villain man real life villain
1: so how would you describe sort of like the genre of relaxer. Not that I'm trying to be like, what can we label this as? But, you know, I, there's different things where I'm like, it's like magical realism or like going back in history and changing it. And I don't even it's know. It's real like, magicalism. Real magicalism. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is really like the the most un not to say your question is uninteresting but like that's what everybody first asked me like so what kind of movie and it's just like i don't know like it doesn't matter like family video you go there and it would just be in the r's like blockbuster would have this need to put it in (laughs) you know dark comedy or real magicalism but no man this movie exists at family video in the section r's right next to Repo Man. Repo Man. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. This is you. Weirdly Repo Man yeah. is perfect. That is that is the genre. It is yeah. Repo Man yeah, genre. Okay. That's a good yeah. genre. Yes. <laughs>
3: yes. We've talked a lot about Repo Man, actually. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. This we'll one. Oh, there, Oakley. You nailed it. That's the genre. Nice. Repo Man. Excellent. Yeah, the genre. genre is Repo Man.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I guess, um, you know, I'm curious about the philosophy and you've kind of been talking about this the whole way about how you started and came together how Sob noise forms things what would you say is sort of the dominating philosophy you have about why you make your films in the way that you do
2: um I tell this I tell this to my students all the time I teach <laughs> and I say like you know a lot of people are like oh I want to make a movie that's like gonna appeal to this audience or this and it really is cheesy it sounds like you just make it for yourself and hope other people will like it and then and then i throw in that mystery science theater 3k quote where joel hodgson says when we started the show we didn't worry about who would get it we just knew the right people would get it you know you know like that doesn't make sense to me it's just like you make it for yourself and otherwise if you're making it for somebody else then that doesn't i don't understand that
4: also, it's too much hard work to just try to make it for someone else. I don't know you're predicting the weather. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, yeah. you know
2: why someone would do that? It's yeah. like, oh, right now, these real magicalism movies are hot, man. Let's <laughs> make one. Like, those movies always fail because they're poser movies when you're yeah. trying to, like, make something that is, like, catching fire and is a trend or yeah. something. Well, it always me, happens every. Yeah,
4: interesting. Yeah. It but always that,
2: happens every couple of years. Like, right now, like, you go
4: somewhere, like, do you have anything, like, get out? And it's like, you didn't yeah. say that. Jordan Beal four years ago, you're asking like, do you have anything like Borat or whatever was hot yeah, at the time? that's, you know that's what I mean? they do. Like, I mean, as yeah. <laughs> close as that comes,
2: though. However, Josh and I specifically have always talked about we would love to work for the Asylum, and I did pitch them the Revengers before the Avengers came out, along with the Adventures of. Uh, the Adventures of Bobo Haggins. Yeah, B- Bobo Haggins
5: oh. and the the uh, God, God the God of Ringmeisters. The, God of the necklace or something. Like so it. that is <laughs> so that that is
2: catching latching onto those kind of marketing trends is something I'm very much interested in is making mockbusters, and I really honestly would love Asylum to like hire me to write Black Puma or you know gray panther something like that red robin red robin <laughs> what's
4: the jennifer lawrence movie that just
2: came out red, oh, sparrow. red sparrow red sparrow yeah yeah yeah. Robin.
3: yeah
1: well i'm sure after asylum here's his podcast that uh, i've
2: talked to them i've, I've tracked them down at the afm the american film market in santa monica and just like just threw out a bunch of titles real quick like they just are, like we're pushing sharknado get out of here and sharknado <laughs> is stupid cuz that's like yeah. That's not even a mockbuster and that's no. how Asylum built their companies on mockbusters. So they're the posers and sellouts as far as. I oh, no, no.
5: Actually, I love them. I would love to work for them.
1: They have a chance yeah. of redeem themselves if they go back to their Absolutely. roots. And hire.
5: Shortly after Buzzard came out, the president or CEO or the head of Asylum or whatever, started following me on Twitter for some reason. So then I started DMing him some of these ideas. He's blocked me since, I think.
4: What? Well, (laughs) he followed me too and and, and direct messaged me. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I I got an idea about a
5: shark in a swimming pool and
2: I should talk to him about it. Well, we're going to make the movie Get Ready Player One. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be Relaxer 2, Get Ready Player One, the video game. (laughs) to end all video game movies.
1: <laughs> you should DM that. I'm to still the waiting. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm still waiting.
2: Player. There, there we go. There we go.
1: To wind things down, I guess I might ask each of you for sort of your advice. I mean, here you guys are and you have this rebellious, insistent way of filmmaking, um, but you're like on the inside. You're, you've made it sort of, this is your how many years in a row at South by and your films are getting out there and people are seeing them so what is your advice to others listening to this you know really admiring your spirit but who are on the outside
5: josh what do you got Uh, come back to me (laughs) 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 i'd say just uh if you want to make
4: something go make it don't wait for everything to be right and ready anything i've gotten it's come from stuff i made myself uh initially and then and it's like done in your voice and then like kind of like what joel was saying it's just like the right people will get it or You know, there's some, obviously, make 10 things and might only be like one or two things that hit with people in a larger sense, but you're then making something you cared about and enjoyed and other people are liking it and then they want you to do it more then eventually getting paid to do what you do and you get to make more of what you want just because you took the time to make it. Either way, time's going to pass. Fill it doing the shit you want. Uh,
5: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I I second that. I mean, from the time that I wrote songs, that was kind of how I felt. I want to hear a song that, like, something like this i don't care if anybody likes it or not and most people don't generally <laughs> but um you You're know bob
1: dylan impersonations or- no, no no i moved
5: on <laughs> that was an 18 year old impressionable kid trying to find my way in the world you know um but uh that that is the secret i think you know just do the things that you want to do and see see what happens don't, don't worry about so much what is going to happen
3: i think i would say find your band and uh stick with them uh it goes all the way from like working, I, I working with the same crew that I do. I bring them on every film if I can, and I usually do. And uh, but something like Joel said earlier, he found his band, and uh, you know, um, it kind of you. You learn when you when you work with different people, you learn what not to do, and I think that's as, as important as what there is to do. And when you find how you want to do something, and si- find someone who shares a vision that you can possibly add something of yourself to and help help them uh kind of realize that vision and put something on the screen it's a pretty amazing thing so find like-minded people who want to make things that you want to make and uh stick with them
1: i guess a a follow-up to your what you just said like since you've worked with different directors too is there like what if you work with someone you hate them and you think this this is a bad experience but somehow you still enjoy the film does that happen is that something that's worth dealing with or is that just like get out of there because life is too short to deal with like assholes
3: Okay. Well, on a personal, from a personal standpoint, yeah, I guess am like, tell me all the details. Yeah, is no, see, I that's the thing. I, I I feel like I can answer you like honestly and say I, I'm really careful now about who I select to work with. I've just been able to start saying no Um, since you know Joel kind of started. I started with Joel and some other people have come along and. I've worked with some amazing directors. Um, I do know which ones I will work with again and which ones I will choose not to. Um, but I feel like they're all an open invite back. And I think like working with someone once teaches you a lot of things. Um, but being asked back is a real honor and you don't always have to say yes. Um, so keeping it loose and keeping it non-specific. Um, yeah, I mean, I, no matter what, I never quit a film. Um, haven't been fired from one yet. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I love all the films I've shot. Um, I, I really do. I'm proud of them, and I, and that's that's one thing I, I do before I choose to work with them. Uh, I have to believe in that story, and I have to believe that my personal, my talents and my team's talents and our vision can help uh, see that through. So,
4: yeah, I think the worst thing, like the only thing worse than having experience where you don't enjoy working with people is being embarrassed by the final product that's the last thing i want <laughs> yeah, right. i put up with a bad experience to not have an embarrassing yeah. thing but i mean yeah. it's good to avoid both yeah and, and you're <laughs> gonna put your name on it and yeah you're, you're you're tied to it so yeah exactly
3: and you know see it through and it's yeah. like
4: someone's like i got this corny looking shirt you want to wear it all the time not really
2: yeah. <laughs> if you are aspiring to make a movie and you're stuck and you just don't know where to start you have to the most important thing is to set a date Like day this is the day we're going to shoot april 14th and tell as many people as possible so they will hold you accountable so you cannot change that date you'll be too embarrassed and feel too ashamed to keep saying it's getting pushed back now it's gonna be next year i know dudes are like that because they haven't set a date so they're saying they always say this summer then it's oh in the fall next summer next fall April 14th, set that date, tell as many people, and just, you're never going to be ready. Like Andre said, you're never, ever ready. Roll that camera on April 14th and start making a movie. But I got to do my taxes. <laughs> man, <laughs> man, get, get ready, play One miss yeah. <laughs> Lastly, we really want to thank Oscilloscope Laboratories for, you know, they're the ones that always took the risk on these movies. This is our third movie with them. And... I had two, I literally, and I tell this to them all the time. I had two dreams, dreams back when I was getting ready to make a feature. It was like, I want a movie to play at South by Southwest, and I want a movie to be released by Oscilloscope Laboratories. They were the only company that I ever bugged, and I'd bug them all the time on their website and to like leave us a comment or send an email, and it would just go off to like info at oscilloscope, and I would just like send them all my stupid little short films that didn't mean anything because they don't distribute short films. And so, uh, Living the dream with Oscilloscope here. And they're they're producing these movies now, not just distributing. So we're like a little indie studio with them. It's a good partnership.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I always enjoy everything they come out with, and it was so cool to see you guys partnering with them and how you have grown together as a partnership. I'm like, I think it was great. Yeah. It was
2: like every, every, every awesome movie I'd see, I would just remember would open with. <laughs> and I knew it as, I only knew it as like Adam Yalk's company from Beastie Boys. And it was like, Oh, okay. And they, they're like, they have good taste in movies and music. Cause it was always just, <laughs> it was like someday I want, <laughs> beginning of one of my movies. Like that was the dream.
1: Well, thank you guys. It's been such a, you know, an honor to speak to you guys. Um, your work is so original and inventive. And I really think that Relaxer is such a cool film. I can't wait for people to see it. So thanks for taking your time to talk with me today. Thanks, Oakland. Yeah, thanks. Thank you.
4: Yeah.